So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Who owned the first property? Who owned kids? Here's a question for you. Who owned the first property that was ever owned? What's the answer? Hmm. Could both, in a sense, be true? Yes. You could say that God owned the first property and the first steward was Adam and Eve when they were entrusted with the care of the garden. But the answer really is God directly. As we read in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The eighth commandment, is in the area code or the realm of property and possession. Some of you might call it stuff, okay, stuff. And God was and is the first property owner. In fact, God owns everything. He claims ownership over everything and everyone. And there are profound implications for that. That's why Paul's appeal, even in 1 Corinthians is to say our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so that has implications that's connected even to Romans 12 in the way we live out the truth of the gospel as those whose lives have been changed by it. As we think about God owning everything, in fact, we see in Psalm 50 that the Lord says this to those who would present even abundant offerings but who would withhold heartfelt, biblical, God-honoring obedience. He says in Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness our mind. And so, friends, this morning, here is the starting point of the eighth commandment you shall not kill, kill, you shall not steal, and that is that God owns everything. Now, because we received Katie and Lauren into our membership, and we're going to celebrate communion as the last part of our corporate worship this morning. The exposition is actually going to be two weeks on this commandment. I'll finish up next Sunday night. I'm conscious that it's about 1135. And even living out this commandment, there is a sense that once the clock hits 12, you're living on borrowed time as you preach and finishing up the service. And I want to recognize that I don't want to steal as we're speaking of you shall not steal. Okay. So please bear with me with that. This will be a much more brief sermon this morning. Well, as we face this, what we're dealing with here is that ever since the fall, we have this tendency to look out for ourselves, 
not loving our neighbor as we should by desiring, by taking, by misusing, even not only what is theirs, but also by what is ours. In fact, we've done this the last couple of weeks, but I'd like you, if you can, you want to take a moment and grab a Trinity hymnal in front of you. I think we could just get out of the way initially by taking the shorter catechism. If you'll turn there in the shorter catechism, which begins on page 869, I'd like us to look at questions 74 and 75 on page 875. And with the shorter catechism, we'll also consider between this morning and next Sunday evening some from the, the expanded answers to these from the larger catechism. So you'll see there in, verse, in question 74, what is required in the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment requires, and I'd like to translate this a bit into modern English, the Eighth Commandment requires the lawful procuring and furthering or advancing the wealth and outward estate of ourselves and others. All right, and then question 75. What is forbidden? So not only what is required, but what is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment forbids whatsoever or whatever does or may unjustly, you might say unfairly, hinder, that is prevent our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. And I think it's helpful to understand again that ever since the fall, we have this tendency By fallen nature, not by original innocent nature, but by virtue of fallen nature, to be about us. We like to joke sometimes that some of us are tuned in to WIFM. We live with this what's in it for me mentality. And it brings us to the big idea for our Eighth Commandment, because God is so generous We take our cue from him about what we own. Whether use what we own, our property, our possessions, our belongings, we take our cue from him about ours and others' property. We take our cue from his generosity. Now, think about this commandment again. If you just turn to Exodus 20... And I know that Wesley will go a little deeper tonight, even in the context of Galatians 5, about law and gospel in this relationship. And as we think of law as a revealing of the very character of God, a standard or rule for life, a reminder of how much we may be grateful to Christ and his obedience on our behalf, we understand that the law achieves these purposes, but it's a terrible system for being right with God. Does that make sense? It declares 
the character of God. It reveals the character of God. It shows us a standard of righteousness. It serves as a tutor to having shown us how we've broken the law and could not meet its demands that we must achieve righteousness by no, nothing of our own. In fact, we're told in Romans 3 and Galatians 3 that righteousness, now this righteousness in the gospel and the revelation of God comes apart from works of the law and is found through faith and through faith in Christ alone, just like I asked Katie and Lauren if it's in Christ alone that their hope is found. But yet there is a standard. And here we are in Exodus 20, simply two words in the Hebrew, very simple. You shall not steal. Now, I want, while you hold that, I want to point this out. Turn to Deuteronomy 5. I'm not sure I ever knew this, but I discovered that in the retelling of the law in Deuteronomy 5, in verse 18, 19, 20, and 21, in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th commandments, each of those commandments has a little Hebrew vav, which is just, we translate that and, so that the 7th through 10th commandments are strung like pearls together, and this, and you shall not steal, and, or, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet, so that what God is doing for us, pointing out a little nuance in Deuteronomy 5 that we don't quite have in the same way in Exodus 20, is that there's an organic whole to this law that's summarized even in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the great law that we should love God with all that we have, with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And then where Jesus quotes from Leviticus 19, and he says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he punctuates it with these words, I am the Lord, your God. There's a wholeness to this and to the law. But it's simply two words. It's so simple and brief in in expression there in Exodus 20. But I want us to think briefly over the next 10 or 12 minutes about this commandment. And if you take away one thing, and then we'll expand this next Sunday night, is that at at the very basis for this commandment, is that it is God's generosity who gives us, that gives us a cue, or God gives us a cue for how we will steward, how we will procure, how we will protect both our property, our stuff, our possessions, our, our belongings, not just our own, but also our neighbors. And the implications of this are stunning. And there's great breadth. Even as in Psalm 119 says that the way of your commandments is very broad. So the basis for this commandment is found in God's own generosity. 
All through the pages of scripture, there's God inviting, there's God creating, there's God speaking, there's God giving. There's God not simply claiming ownership, like I'm the boss, but God overflowing with love and light and goodness in largesse, as though his heart could not be stopped. It's like a river, a mighty river that has no end to its flow. And once we grasp God in all his generosity, and with this ultimate thing, as Hebrews says in Hebrews 1, in this last days, he's spoken to us finally, ultimately, perfectly through his son so we see that God has given in such a way he's so generous to us that's the basis for these words you shall not steal I like the artwork and we want to thank Bruce Sink for his artwork the guy running off with a bag full of money how about that Well, let's think secondly about the essence or principle of this commandment. The essence of it is that the eighth commandment is stating that property, yes, stuff and things is valid. On the one hand, you cannot buy or consume yourself. So those of you who are going to be like buying junk on this Friday, on Black Friday, okay, That's fine, as long as you understand that that stuff, no matter how good a deal you get in buying it, will never do for your heart what only God was designed to do, all right? But now, on the other hand, for those of you who are self-described minimalists, we, you know, and if... In any crowd, you've got hoarders and minimalists, right? And maybe some of you like, I'm both in one person. By the same token, understand that when God spoke the world into existence, ex nihilo, he put his stamp on approval on things and stuff that you can touch and feel and enjoy. Property's valid. I enjoy my car. I enjoy my lawn mower, all right? I like my fishing rods and my 22 and my 30-odd six, and I like the Frisbee that Cheryl and I occasionally throw. I like my yard implements that I can garden and scissors I can cut okra off my stocks. I like those things, and watching Clemson play on my flat screen TV. I even like, you might remember, I even like my special coffee cup that's my prized coffee cup. But yesterday I got chipped. It's got a chip. So I just don't drink out of that side. I'm right-handed and thankfully it's the chip's on the right side. And stuff may be owned legitimately and enjoyed. The problem is like relationships... Or like anything, when we pervert the God-intended design, right? So I may enjoy that cup. Now my enjoyment's a little bit less, but it's still there. Stuff, things are valid, okay? 
So you're not less sinful if you have less stuff, nor have you become more sinful because you acquire something. That's fine. I was a kid on Christmas morning too, all right? I enjoyed presents and things. Now, what we want to think about next, thirdly, is the obedience that's required by this commandment. And you saw as we read from the Shorter Catechism that there's something required and there's something forbidden. We tend to look at this commandment and think principally it's about not taking, breaking, borrowing, and not returning, or using without prior permission what is our neighbor's. And there's all types of implications for that, from not trespassing, from returning something within a reasonable period of time, for taking, like taking a book and not paying for it, or being late and being chronically late and therefore being thoughtless of the value of our neighbor's time. Or maybe some of you are in business and you know that you have the trust of a customer and you know that the market price for something is $1,000, but there's this trust between you and your client and customer and you, they would never check you, and you, they want to add this, and you know you could charge them 1300 they wouldn't be the wiser, but you know that the market rate is 1000 And so then, to charge what is not a reasonably fair price constitutes Stealing. There's lots of applications to this commandment. So it's not only that we're to never take or misuse what is our neighbor's, but much more we're to give abundantly and selflessly in imitation of our Heavenly Father's generosity. And so between Next Sunday night particularly, we're going to focus on some very specific applications. But I'd like to take for a moment for us to consider briefly the passages that just, I want to note the passages that Josh read. And for us to understand that even like adultery and other things from Matthew 15, Jesus is saying the issue is not what you take in. In what you eat that defiles you, you've got a built-in spoiler. You've got a built-in mechanism for defilement. It's called your heart. In Jeremiah 17, we read that it's not simply that, we were talking about this in our college class, it's not simply that we as people don't know all that we need to know. Our problem is that our heart is fundamentally tricky it's deceitful and so as we think that even connects here to theft Jesus says in Matthew 15 19 it's actually before you steal something the the origin the moment of beginning for theft is there in our heart and that's what defiles us this is real look what this look at Solomon says or this is actually the words of Agur in Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9. He's like, Lord, there's only two things that I want before I die. 
And it's interesting because he references the ninth commandment and then the eighth. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And then secondly, give me neither poverty nor riches. God, give me a life that's in the sweet spot that reflects the knowledge, that all too wonderful knowledge that you have of me. My own proclivities, my own temptations, my own wiring. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Otherwise, there's two areas. He said, I could be so full, so satisfied that I'm a practical atheist. I'd be wondering, who is the Lord? Or he says, if you give me so little and I'm poor without my daily bread and I'm lacking, I'd be tempted to steal and profane the name of my God. In one, there's the question, who is the Lord in fullness? The other is, where is the Lord when suffering need? God's generosity is our cue. God's generosity is our cue. Where is the thief? Jesus says in John 10, 10, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The Son of God says, I came that they might have life of his sheep and have it abundantly. He says in Matthew 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so as we think of this commandment that acknowledges the legitimacy of property, of owning things, for God was the first owner, and he owns everything, even the cattle on a thousand hills. It's valid to own. We understand that there's limits to the enjoyment of possessions. That's why Jesus says in another place, in Matthew 6, he says, don't have treasures here on the earth where thieves can break in and steal. He says this, you're familiar with it in Matthew 6. In fact, I'll read it briefly. He says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. But that does not deny the validity, the legitimacy of owning things, nor the responsibility that we have for stewarding those things well. I want to close with that verse from Ephesians 4.28 that Joshua read for us. And I want you to hear it yet again. You may know this. What is the antidote for the temptation to take? Because in a sense, what we're talking about is the distinction between being a giver and a taker. Paul says, as he's saying, put off this, put on that. Let every member of your body be used to bless, to cause flourishing. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. He doesn't stop there. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. 
Had Paul stopped there, we would have all said, good, Paul, no problem, that works with Exodus 20, 15. But he says more. And what he said, in effect, serves as the antidote to the temptation to want more and more to be like the leech. In Proverbs 30, verse 15, it says, give, 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 more, more, more. And Paul says, it's not enough for the thief to stop stealing. It's not enough for the thief to begin to do honest, valid work with his or her own hands. But what is in imitation of God who in generosity gives to us is that going now and transitioning, being transformed from being a taker, the thief in Christ becomes a giver. This, this is at the heart of the eighth commandment. Don't steal, don't be a taker, but rather be a giver. 